0: 10-5. He's into the end zone. Touchdown, Arkansas State. Deflected into the hands of Phelps. Avery for three hits. Culver is safe. The Red Wolves have walked it off. Welcome to the Second to None Podcast, the
1: A-State podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else: Matt Stoltz and Brad Boba. Coming
0: up, a big Saturday for both A-State basketball teams. We'll talk all about those. Home wins for the A-State men and women. Also a huge weekend for the indoor track and field teams. But we're going to start with football as the Red Wolves continue to get ready for their trip to Montgomery for the Camellia Bowl. Going to be taking on Northern Illinois Saturday, December 23rd at 11 a.m. And here to talk about it, sixth year senior and first team all Sunbelt Conference selection at Punter. It's William Pristop. How you doing, Will?
2: I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on the show.
0: Jacob Baer was in here last week, the other first team all conference selection. And we asked him how he found out about being named first team all conference. And he said, well, the first person to be recognized by Coach Jones was you. So tell us about hearing in the team meeting that you were named first team all conference. What was your reaction to that?
2: Uh, first, I was stunned just because it was out of nowhere. He made it like a big surprise just going over everything we have to set up for the next game in the Camellia Bowl. And then he said something around the lines of, you know the reason why you work so well and how it pays off? And then said, your first team, all conference. And I was just, first of all, I was so excited that I beat Ryan Hansen. (laughs) I didn't care about the award. I just cared about beating
1: him more than anything else. I'm thrilled to hear you say that, because if I'm being honest, when the Sunbelt Awards came out, and I, I would say even more than seeing Jalen be the freshman of the year in the league, I told my, my guys, the thing I'm happiest about is seeing first-team all-conference punter. Right? Got me fired up. Thank you. And thank you for saying what you said so I didn't have to talk around it. Well, you beat Ryan
0: Hanson. Who was your teammate a season ago? And you split time with him. He went to James Madison. Now, do you guys still talk? Was there a little trash talk afterwards? or
2: Not really trash talk. Throughout the whole season, me and him were buddy-buddy. It was one of the best competitions I've had in college football, just because it was someone who was at my level, and we were competing every single day. It wasn't just I was going against myself mentally, it was I was going against someone equal or better than me every single day.
1: Let me tell you, I think it's sort of referenced here in our notes, but I would have said it anyway. I walk in here to do this interview, and I mean, I know I work over there, but a lot of times, I mean, it's not a whole lot different than the fans. That the bulk of the time, I'm going to see our student athletes going to be when they're in uniform. So I walk in here today to talk with our first team all conference punter, and my first thing is, "Holy cow, that's a big dude!" Yeah, that's not what I thought I was walking into here. <laughs> Bigger than what I what most people would probably envision the punter being. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, it's a it's a true assessment. I'm bigger than most
2: punters by about like thirty pounds, and, and you're taller too. You're six four. Yeah, um, it helps a lot with swinging the ball up and through. Uh, <laughs> helps put in placement and just getting the ball a little longer for my gunners to get down there. Shout out to my gunners and Shield for helping me out this whole entire season.
0: Well, We're going to talk about those guys now. I, I do want to talk about your journey because it is a very unique journey. You're from Oviedo, Florida. And like a lot of specialists, football wasn't your first sport, was it? You were a soccer player, right?
2: I was a soccer player up until high school. And then they told me I could either do football or soccer. And I chose football because then it overlapped with basketball. So I wanted to do both those sports at the same time. Who told you you had to pick? I think it was my dad. He's always been a big influence in my life. And he's always guided me in the right decisions. Same thing with my mom. And I trust them, And I went along with it.
0: You were a goalkeeper in soccer, right? So yes. you make the transition to football, but Caleb Garner from our sports information department, wrote a feature story a couple of months ago, and I remember reading that you actually wanted to be a tight end at first, and based on what Bobo just pointed out, that would make sense, <laughs> considering your body frame.
2: Yeah. So I was a tight end throughout my freshman year. Uh, there was a lot of people. There was like 109 people on our freshman team. Uh, quarterbacks was hard to get by. And it was just, it was hard competition. And later down the line, um, I just saw more and more openings to play other positions because if I wanted to play more, I wanted to have more opportunity to play in game for better chance in the future and also to show off to my parents.
0: Well, yeah, you wanted to be on the field, but still you weren't the punter right away, when you decided that you wanted to, to try that job, you had to wait for somebody else to get hurt to get your opportunity.
2: Oh yeah. That was um so that was my sophomore year when I got pulled up to varsity. I was playing wide receiver and tight end at the time, and the week of the big like homecoming game against her rivals, Haggerty High School, both punters either broke their leg or tore something on a rainy day like the Thursday of the game. So that day, I was asked to come up to varsity practice and punt, and it was just, I didn't expect it. I was kind of hoping to play in JV because I have friends at Haggerty I wanted to finally beat out.
1: Give me the similarities, differences too for that matter, and the skill set between you know the kicking you got to do as a goalkeeper versus the, the kicking you do now. The kicking that I did as a goalkeeper, it's about the same. I had to point my foot
2: in the right location. The only difference is I can't swing across my body. I have a checklist of things I have to go through every single time before punting from A to Z. And I'm not just looking for a location. I have to worry about hang, distance, direction, all the other stuff. It's a giant gap, to be honest.
0: So it ended up working out for you. Yes. You got that job after you got your turn. And I brought that up because that's really been a theme throughout your entire career, even... Starting in high school and now in college, you've really had to be patient. And then when you got your opportunity, you made the most of it. And we'll kind of flash forward. You started your career, your college career at Michigan State. So how did you end up there going from Oviedo, Florida to Michigan State as a true freshman?
2: So that year for recruiting, college coaches in Florida were being changed out from FSU to Florida, to Miami, all these places, and even UCF with uh, Scott Frost during the time. What happened was all my offers started to go with me, and the only two options were UCF and Michigan State. My decision process was more of praying and talking to my family about it, and my mom said there was a Bible verse that stuck out, and when we went up there to Michigan State, they repeated the Bible verse, and that's how I knew I was gonna go to Michigan State. What was the verse? I can't remember off the top of my head. It was something my mom was praying about every single day. And I can't remember his name, but the quarterback coach who invited us up um, repeated it. And at that moment, I knew that God wanted me there.
0: You got an opportunity at Michigan State. As a true freshman, you played in four games. I know you started a game as a true freshman. Mm -hmm. But after... One season, you ended up transferring to the place where you actually started that game at Michigan State, which was Nebraska, and you spent the next three seasons there. Talk about making that transition and your experience in Lincoln.
2: The transition from Michigan State to Nebraska, first was a long one, just going across country, bringing all my stuff there. You don't expect how much it's going to cost or how long it's going to be, but it was a great experience. When I got to Nebraska, people were warming Everybody was very sociable and just opened up with arms of just love, just showing that this place is great, this is amazing. I was feeling more and more comfortable because Scott Frost, who I knew at UC at the time, was the coach. So I felt like I was going to fit in better there for sure.
0: But you made that transition. Now, did they change special teams coaches at Michigan State? Is that right?
2: They did. Um, Shane Graham was the special teams coach at the time. Great guy. He taught me a lot of stuff in a short period of time to start. But he also brought over an Australian punter. As I was finishing my season, I later learned that they gave him a scholarship. And that was my sign stating that I had no spot to play there next year.
0: I mean, you did what you felt you needed to do going to Nebraska. And still, when you got there, you had to wait your turn, right?
2: Yeah. Uh, to be honest, when I started in Nebraska, I wasn't even punning. I had to do kickoff. It was the Colorado game. I was the second string kickoff guy. Our field goal guy went down. So the second string field goal guy went in. And then he hurt himself celebrating off a kickoff because it was his first time making it to the back of the end zone. (laughs) Yeah. So opportunity arises, you take it. So I went in, I did my job, and I just kept playing. Wherever spot I saw, I'd try to make a little time to get better at so that i have more time to play on the field
1: this is a it's kind of a wider scale question even just you it's going to kind of go back to what i asked you a second ago with your with your soccer stuff because there probably was a stretch of football where one guy did every version of kicking on a team you could do your kickoff guy was your field goal guy was your punter and but we certainly have seen that evolve to where that's three different jobs a lot of times held by three different people Why is that? Tell me about that evolution and why that's gotten so specialized that one guy locks in on one particular style of kicking the football. Now these
2: days, each style of
1: kicking has its own type of form. Field goal,
2: you're more using your hips. Kickoff, you're kind of pressing off one leg more than the other, and it's more of a straight swing rather than going across. And then punting... It's like a vertical line. You aim your hips, you aim your feet, and you're trying to be as accurate and more like consistent as possible with every single step, finish, and just punt.
0: It really is kind of a art, isn't it? It's something that you do over and over and over again, and obviously you're trying to perfect your craft like anything else.
1: Well, say, I mean, before you answer, you're right. It is art, but you also hear a lot of science. To it in there, too. It's kind of this interesting mix, isn't
2: it? Yeah. The science and craft really go hand in hand because, like you said, it is art. You can't just perfect it within one day. It takes time and time again, and the science behind it is something immaculate. The biggest problem I'm having like right now is understanding that I need to shorten my last step and lengthen my second step. And which that sounds crazy enough as it is, but the reason behind it is, if I shorten my last step, the ball's not going to go as high as I want to. But if I shorten it, then the ball's going to have more hang time, and I have to do. Everybody else has to do less work, which was always my goal in mind for my team.
0: Kind of wrapping up the Nebraska stuff. You you spend three years there, and your last season there, you had become the starter in 2021, mm-hmm. and started nine games there. But another
2: coaching change, right? Yep. New special teams coach came in, and he knew what he was doing on special teams, but not among specialists. He was a great guy overall as a coach. If I had to come to him to questions, yes, but still, they told me at the end of the season, they did. It all. They gave me every opportunity to succeed, and I didn't do the best of my ability. They didn't ask me to leave the team. They just asked me not to come to practices anymore and not come to anything else, and I was just on my own. Man, that's tough.
0: Yep. Obviously, that was a place you enjoyed being at with Nebraska, but you still had two years of eligibility. So when you start looking around,
2: why did you end up coming to Arkansas State? In that six months gap where from right after the Nebraska season till summer workouts, I was through a rough spot. I didn't really do that much like recruiting outwards for everything. The only thing I really did was ask God for guidance, ask him for direction, ask him for many other things. And just... At that moment, I don't know how, but Coach Schoonover contacted me, and it just felt really natural. It felt like I was talking to a friend, someone I can just communicate with, don't have to hide anything, and be honest with. And at that moment, I knew that this place wasn't going to be just like a coach-oriented, like you have to do this, do that. It's actually a place where I'm going to get better, and I feel at
1: home. What was hardest in that stretch? I guess I would say was it just not having football in general or was it the way they went about it and just more or less saying, hey, I mean, you can be on the team in name, but we're not going to have you around. I think the hardest part
2: about it was what you said the second part with just not having me around because turns out they didn't tell anybody else on the team about the reason why I left or the reason why. And I just learned about this recently when I – texted an old teammate jacob herbeck and he said wow i didn't even know about this i'll say that it hit me the hardest when i already saw (laughs) sorry it hurt me the most when i saw my number on the back of someone else's back for practice and i'm not gonna lie it just it hit hard i didn't know what to do
0: Mm. that six month period i'm sure there was a lot of soul searching there if you wanted to even continue playing football
2: Yeah, there was a lot of soul searching, but there are two people, really three people that helped me get through that. They were my roommates there at the time. They all transferred when I transferred as well. Chris Walker, uh, one of the old linemen there, Damian Jackson, and Bradley Bunner. Those three guys kept my feet firm. One of them is a Navy SEAL, and he Mm -hmm. told me that everything is going to be hard, and it's better just to throw it in the past and look forward because it might be hard now but the goal in the end is going to help. And they pushed me harder than I ever did before with just strengthening my legs, preparing me for the next school to beat out anybody who came into competition. Your first home is like this dream. The day you walk in, the sun seems to shine more brightly. The ceilings, they just seem taller. And you'll never fix that creaky floorboard because it sounds like comfort. What a hug would sound like if it made a sound. And that's when you realize... Your home, really, really home. Realize your dream with a home loan from Simmons Bank dreams realized simmonsbank.com member fdic equal housing lender subject to credit approval this is coach butch jones
0: and we need you to help our eight state athletic programs by donating to the impact club this is an organization that is making a real difference in the lives of our student athletes make a monthly commitment and get access to team newsletters special gear and exclusive access that you will not find anywhere else find out more and give today at impactclub.com that's impact spelled i-m-p-a-c-k-t club.com Your support is greatly appreciated and is helping our programs right now. Wolves up. Visiting with A-State, first-team all-conference punter William Pristop. And look, we talk about the journey getting to Arkansas State. And you said when you talked to Coach Schoonover that it felt like the natural fit coming to Jonesboro. But again, you didn't come in (laughs) as the starter. Yeah. We already talked about Ryan Hanson. He was here last year. And – You came in, and you proved yourself enough to where you guys split reps last year. But after last season, we mentioned Ryan went to James Madison, and finally, as a sixth-year senior, your final collegiate year, you get to begin a season as the guy. So my question to you is, after the long journey, everything that – You had to go through. Did that make you appreciate it a little bit more than most people probably would, just having that spot to begin the year?
2: Yeah. To be honest, I feel like this is the first season ever that I started, and I really got to thank coaches, the players, everybody around me for just giving me the opportunity. Ending it off the way it did with being all conference was the icing on the cake for sure.
1: I got a couple things here, and I know you said over calls and there's a connection there, but after all you'd been through, you didn't say, hey, do you guys have a punter? I don't care if they have a punter.
2: <laughs> I don't care if they have four punters. I don't care if they have five. The more punters, the better. I believe that the more competition brings out the best in everybody. With that, I feel like it's shown every place I've gone to, I've beaten that person out. If it taken a year or taken three months, I'm going to beat whoever's in front of me.
0: And I'm sure you were a lot (laughs) more mentally tough after what happened at Nebraska. And the way it ended there, we talk about that six-month transition Mm -hmm. time. I'm sure that mindset was stronger than ever when you did end up on campus here.
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. I don't know what it was, but my mindset wasn't I was going to beat them out every time. My mindset was how can I help the team more? How can I make our team better? And by competing against each other every single day, I feel like that was the best mindset I could ever have at this point.
1: So you guys are sort of splitting the reps, even if he's maybe getting more of them. Were you going to be content to roll that same situation into this year? Was it going to be a deal where one of you guys left or when you found out he was leaving, you're like, well, okay, that's the thought never crossed my mind. The thought never
2: crossed my mind. I was more catered to the idea that this year I was going to beat him out no matter what. I put, like, double workouts in over the summer, just preparing everything. And my heart was content on beating him no matter what, no matter what was thrown in our way. If there was another obstacle, I would have got over it faster. If there was another hinder, I would have made sure to take hold of it like it was a newborn baby and take care of it as long as I can.
0: You sound like that you appreciate the fact that Ryan Hansen was here because... He's driven you to become better.
2: I will say that. Like I said in, like in the beginning of this interview, he's the first like competitor I've ever felt like I've had to go against in my college career in practice where it isn't like my mind versus myself. It's literally someone who has either equal or greater strength than me competing every single day.
0: That's a great perspective, too, mm-hmm. after everything that, that you've gone through with your journey. You're a left footer, though. What's
2: the advantages of being a left footed punter? Well, from a science aspect for like a ratio of like from right footers to left footers. Supposedly left footers have a little bit more power, a little bit more like flexibility for some odd reason, but that's just something I've read online. Like there's only thirty three percent of punters in the nation right now for college level are left footed compared to right. And they have just about. I wouldn't think it was that high. It was something like that. I read it. My dad sent me an article about it. It's like, wow, that's so cool. <laughs> just went on my day.
0: But there is a different spin to the ball too. And yeah. I remember Coach Jones bringing this up last year, and it was really one of the big advantages of being able to rotate punters in that it's a completely different spin when you get out there as opposed to a right-footed punter.
2: Yeah, I didn't really expect it to be like that big of a difference, but. Even the first play of my college career for A-State, they don't know how to catch the ball. The rotation is not what they're used to compared to most people in the Sun Belt. The guy dropped the ball and we got it back instantly going for a touchdown right after that. So yeah, I'd say that'd be a big aspect that I even overlooked at this point. It's been, I haven't thought of that in like over two years.
1: Do punters at all, do you ever have to kind of mentally come to terms with the fact that like your, your fans want you to be good, but you are the player they want to see on the field least of anyone on the entire roster?
2: I think of that, too. Before each uh, game, me and Rux uh, go up to each other to say, I'll keep you off the field if you keep me off. And I'm like, okay. No matter what we do, we help each other out. So, yes, it is a bad thing if I come on the field. But the good part is I believe they got my back.
0: You talk about those guys that have your back, and you mentioned your shield earlier, those other guys out there on the punt team with you. But you've got one heck of a long snapper out there with you, too. And we never really talk about – the long snapper in detail unless there's a bad snap and man jack bullard has done a phenomenal job seems like you guys have a great chemistry together
2: jack bullard is one of the best snappers i've ever had in college football most people don't know that his day starts at 6 a.m and does not end until after practice and what I mean by that, he is a nutrition science, and he his day starts at 6. So from 6 o'clock to 2.30, he's doing rounds, and then he comes straight to football. Oh, wow. So that man is working overtime, not just in school, and then comes and does the same thing over and over, excellent every single day. Not just to help me, but to help the team. That man is a superstar in my book. So what are you into off the field? Well, at the moment, I'm just playing video games with as many teammates as I can, and I feel like that's an obvious answer, but also, I've been into FPV drone racing at the moment, uh, something I've had for the last, like, year and a half.
0: All right, you got to tell us what this is all about.
2: (laughs) So, my senior year of high school, we had to do a senior project, and my dad happily suggested to get something with aviation, since that was one of his hobbies growing up, like RC toys, RC boats, all this stuff, and he showed me all the planes he used to make as a kid with his brothers and sisters. So I got into um, drones. I like how they pivot on their axle. It's not just an X and Y variation, but also a Z going into, like, multiple planes and how fast it goes. So I have a drone that goes about 60 to 70 miles per hour and can turn on a dime if you want it. But I hook on a pair of goggles onto my head so I can see exactly the perspective of the drone. So it's almost like I'm in the pilot seat the whole time.
1: Wow. See, I, I was... I didn't know what it was going to be, but I'm going to be honest. I was banking on you're going to come with something a little bit off the beaten path. That I would say that counts.
0: That's in that category. <laughs> you special
2: teams guys, though. We're different, I can tell you that.
1: You're different. Are you left-handed? Uh, yeah, I'm left-handed. That oh, makes sense. I didn't know if you had to be left-handed to be
2: left-footed or not. <laughs> oh, no, it's, like, it's different from person to person. My brother, he's right-footed, but he's left-handed. It's weird.
0: You guys spend a lot of time together. Talk about the different personalities in that room.
2: Oh, dear Lord! <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about that on air, but
0: we're. Well, what's it like hanging around Zavada all the time?
2: Well, he's got a big head sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel but, like, that's but you the... <laughs> gotta
0: be if you're if you're in that role. You gotta be confident, right?
2: Yeah, he's got a big head, but he uses it always in the right way. Always, if one of us is either like. Settling down, or he just gives good advice every once in a while. I'll say that, but most of the time he knows what to say for football. Just either get us out of a mindset, and I don't understand how that man's been able to go through college football in a year and have almost like a better mindset than me. It's kind of crazy to think about. Jack, he's the person who holds everybody down in the room, keeps everybody grounded, doesn't keep somebody from floating off or just going in the right direction. Aiden and Magnus, man, those two, uh, those guys are the... Best guys to be around if you want to have fun. Ethan Johnson, Lucas Barrel the bunch. You don't know what to expect out of him, but it's always going to be a good time. Clune, uh, dear lord, he is—he's uh, <laughs> the new guy on the block for sure. Trying to figure out who he is, but his personality makes you laugh for sure.
0: You got your degree
2: already? I'll be graduating actually in less than six days on Saturday.
0: Well, congratulations yeah. on that. What's your degree in?
2: undergrad but i have so many minors right now with like computer science mathematics and graphic design so into depth more into fields of engineering after the season just because i always loved engineering as a little kid i love how things are put together and how to make them and i think that's one of the reasons why i got into fpv drone racing because you have to make your own drone so the degree is general studies right yeah sorry yeah it's like
1: it's a Pretty cool thing because you can honestly sort of go in and craft your own program. If, it's, if you're into something that there's not a specific degree in, then you can kind of do what he's done here, piece it together a bit by bit and end up still with a degree, taking the stuff, the classes you want to take to help get you where you wanted to go. So I'm glad to hear like a real-life example of somebody doing that.
0: But the end game is to maybe be an engineer now.
1: Well, end game
2: is NFL, but engineer is a backup plan. Sounds like a good plan to me.
1: Yeah, I'm not. I mean, I'm not a bit surprised. Even beyond talking about sort of the science of the kicking, maybe the first guest I, we'd have to go back and check in the history of this podcast to use the terms x-axis and y-axis. <laughs> I don't think we have to check anything. No. I feel pretty confident wow. in that.
2: That stuff stuck with me once I get finished. Like calc two with <laughs> everything there, everything just stuck, and I was just like dead in the water. <laughs>
0: What's it like to be finishing off this crazy college career going to a bowl game? How satisfying is that?
2: It's very satisfying, but at the same time, I really don't want it to end. I'm finding myself just walking around the facilities knowing that it's slowly coming to an end, and I don't want it to. Because this group, to me, I feel like this is people I can talk to, people I can just bounce ideas off. This is a family. This group of people have helped me along my way academically mentally and also just increasing my way of communication i couldn't communicate well at all and i still feel like i have problems with communicating every once in a while but these guys i've sat down with them they've helped me they've corrected me they have persuaded me into better ways of speaking and also made me into the person i am today
1: and i really got to thank them for that Well, you just communicated for about 30 straight minutes right here.
0: (laughs) Look, we appreciate you opening up the way you have. It's an amazing story. And after all the obstacles that you've overcome over the last six years, and even going back into high school when you had to take advantage of your opportunities there, there's nothing that you can't overcome going forward. So couldn't be happier for you, William. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming in today. Again, that's William Pristop. first team, all Sunbelt Conference punter, joining us here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. We'll wrap things up right after this.
1: When we play today, we win something bigger than ribbons or trophies. We win our tomorrows.
0: Wherever we play, wherever we fight,
1: wherever we overcome odds, we're winning our way. Simmons Bank is committed to supporting women athletes in the communities we serve and are proud to be an official sponsor of A-State Women's Athletics. Not just for a season, but for a winning future. Seasons are short, but fierce is forever. Simmons Bank, member
0: FDIC. Red Wolf fans, this is Demario Davis, proud Red Wolf and linebacker for the New Orleans Saints. And I'm asking you to help out our current A-State student athletes by donating to the Impact Club. This organization helps our program stay competitive and supports our players by facilitating NIL agreements that allow them to endorse local charities. Make a monthly commitment and get access to team newsletters, special gear, and exclusive access you won't find anywhere else. Find out more and give today at Impact club.com. Thank you, and Wolves Up. Huge day Saturday for the A-State basketball teams. We'll start with the men. They took on a UAB team that had won 25-plus games in back-to-back seasons, won 29 games a season ago, and went to the finals of the NIT. Andy Kennedy does a really good job there, but this was all A-State. They yeah. won handily, 87-68. to 68. Certainly the Most impressive win of the season thus far. And some of the things that stood out to me just team-wise, anytime you have 21 assists to just five turnovers, you're going to win most all of the time. And then defensively, love the way the Red Wolves kind of stepped up. That's what we've been kind of waiting for, that breakout defensive performance. And UAB shot 54% in the first half, but held them to just 34% over those final 20 minutes, and that was a big story in this
1: game. I feel like over the last couple of games, Alabama even, and uh, oh yeah, and, and the UAB, I also think we're sort of watching the uh, the maturation of Isaiah Nelson before our very eyes here. I think that's
0: a great comment because he held his own in that second half against Alabama. You know, you go back to that second half, and it's not like Alabama – was resting their starters their starters were on the floor that whole second half and Alabama outscored the Red Wolves by only three in that second half and the Red Wolves only turned it over three times on the road against a team that was the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament last year so it kind of shows just the progression of this team and look the Red Wolves came away from that Alabama game confident because of the way they played in the second half of that game. And you could see that confidence kind of carry over to the UAB game and was so happy for Caleb Fields. He came back after missing the previous game and a half with a concussion and picked up his 500th career assist. And I love the fact that they keep up with the plus-minus ratios now. You see that on the stat sheet the last couple of years now. And Caleb was at plus-31 the other night mm. the Red Wolves were plus 31 with Caleb Fields on the floor by far the best plus minus of anybody on the team but he had 9.7 assists just one turnover and just really controlled the ball game
1: it's almost like and it's I mean it's kind of a weird conclusion to jump to but it's almost like the likelihood that your team will play well goes up when you have an actual point guard out there <laughs>
0: And the Red Wolves didn't have Caleb Fields or Terrence Ford for that Alabama
1: game. And like I said, that's not a knock on Terrence Todd, but he didn't come here to play point guard. No, he didn't.
0: And they're still without Terrence Ford. They're still without LaQuil Hardnett. And we saw such an encouraging performance the other day against UAB. So some good things that we're seeing from this team. And guys like Julian Lule starting to play better. He had 11 points off the bench the other day. DeAndre Dominguez continues to play well. His stat line the other day, 10 points, five boards, five assists, and no turnovers. And yeah, he's good. And the Red Wolves still with two more games before Sunbelt play begins. They'll be at Louisville coming up Wednesday at 7 o'clock. The women with a nice performance yes. on Saturday in the first part of that doubleheader. They improved to 4-3 and on the year, beat Louisiana Tech 69-58, to a game that was tied at the half and really – it was the third quarter where the Red Wolves just came out and took over, outscored Louisiana Tech 24-9 to in that
1: third quarter. And this has been a, a team that we've seen have some big third quarters a few different times at home already this season. Fortunately, this one, it didn't require giving up a big run at the end of the first half to then come out and start like gangbusters in the third quarter. Matter of fact, Louisiana Tech scored the game's first eight points. And Destiny Rogers had to call a pretty early timeout. And then from there, you know, finally, you know, erased that deficit. You know, played to an even first half, and then yeah, just came out and really another big third quarter. This team over uh, the last couple of games has sort of gotten what it needs from Lauren Pendleton. Yeah, sixteen it, it, points in that game. In terms of the fact that the the question is going to be. You know, who's going to be the second scorer you can count on past Izzy Higginbottom? And the most natural, the most logical answer to that question is Lauren Pendleton. So like at one point when the team had 33 points, Izzy and L.A. had 13 apiece, and the rest of the team had seven. And that's okay because it didn't look out of whack. It was happening within the flow of things because there was a second place after Izzy to go get points. And when they get that, this team gets hard to guard.
0: You mentioned Izzy. 29 points Saturday in that victory. Seventh in the nation right now in scoring.
1: She's a, a really, really, I mean, obviously a really special player. And the fact that she didn't have to score 29 to impact the game. And we talked about it on our broadcast with, with Carol Halford the other day, is that you know, if you're Destiny Rogers and if, you know, when things are in a bind or you just need something to happen, if the ball ends up in Izzy's hands, you just feel, no matter what happens next, you feel mm-hmm. confident that the right decision is about to get made. Uh, Is it get to the bucket? Is it find a way to get a shot off? Is it drive and kick? I mean, she's a really good player, and they've got other good players around her. They got some big-time minutes Saturday from a a kid that haven't seen a whole lot out of, uh, of, honestly, to that point. Cheyenne Forney, the young lady, transferred in from Denver. And that the the transfer from Lamar, was out. She hurt an ankle late in the week and uh, was in a boot. So I kind of put some more minutes on Cheyenne Forney, and she really, really – Gave them good minutes defensively in the second half of that game. I was happy for that. So, anyway, good performance. You'd probably say maybe the best of the season to this point for the women and just kind of the way it looked. And it's going to interesting to keep the momentum going because they've got another – you know, they've got a run of home games here before they head out to start conference play.
0: Yeah, the five-game homestand continues this week. They'll host North Alabama Thursday at 7, and then Little Rock is in here Sunday afternoon at 2.00. Indoor track and field had a big weekend in Pittsburgh, Kansas, at the Crimson and Gold Invitational. Bradley Gelmert breaking the school sunbelt conference and meet records in the men's pole vault, a clearance of 5.72 meters. Cheyenne Melvin winning the 600 meters with a school and meet record. Colby Adow's winning the 60-meter hurdles. Michelle Agbamujo set a pair of meet records while winning the shot put. And the weight throw, William Kurtzen wins the men's shot put, Tyra Neighbors takes the women's 60-meter hurdles, and Grayson Young wins the men's 3,000 meters, so indoor track and field off to a heck of a start.
1: Ho-hum, right? We say that
0: about most meets, but that's a pretty darn good (laughs) weekend. (laughs) Meanwhile, football back at practice this week. The coaches were mainly out recruiting last week, but back on the practice field this week as they... Get set for their Camellia Bowl matchup Saturday, December 23rd against Northern Illinois.
1: As you're listening to this, well, it really doesn't matter what day this week you're listening to it. Uh, the team's heading to Montgomery on Tuesday the 19th. Be on the lookout, you know, our social media channels because we're, I think you know we'll put together a bit of a send off for them next Tuesday. Just trying to nail down the time. Kind of they're building the rest of their schedule. What do they want to do in Jonesboro versus while they want what time they want to get to all the things. When you want to get to Montgomery, what are you going to do when you get there? So be on the lookout for their departure time, and we'll have some sort of send off for them on the 19th. Hey, appreciate everybody that came out Saturday, too. It was a fun day. Yeah, Um, great crowd the other day. And it's still, like, you look at the number and you just think, like, there's room realistically to double that. It's realistic. Like, there's realistically room to, as the season goes on, to double that crowd. And you just imagine what it would sound like in there Mm -hmm. Uh, if you get to four or 5,000 in there when conference play rolls around. But people had a good day, got their white-out shirts, and teams played well i don't think those things are unrelated it's weird how the the teams play well when there's a big crowd it's it's a coincidence odd how I don't that works so. but uh the, the teams responded both played well people seem to enjoy and i enjoyed the fact that uh Kristen sandu made it through both halftime performances unscathed i was
0: scared to death <laughs> I kept on looking up like my god he's gonna die but <laughs> he didn't he was able to maintain his balance
1: he's a pro hey, that guy, this guy, he honestly that guy's got a really interesting story and you can check it out online you find it but just growing up in like one of the poorest countries in europe and i think he lost his mom at a young age in a car accident and his dad moved the family to the u.s and at one point his dad ran like a school in las vegas for circus performers and i, that, that, I believe and it. that's sort of where that got started and he ended up yeah he goes all over the country now doing that uh, balancing up on things that roll around on top of each other
0: again it's been a fun episode thanks to william Preston. thanks to jerry scott for setting that up for us for brad i'm matt have a great week everybody